Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I'm excited today because we're blessed. We've just seen some leaders that are, are gracing our church with their leadership ability. But we have an amazing pastoral team. Um, and you're going to hear from one of the greats this morning. Pastor Bob Appleby is an amazing leader, communicator of the Word of God. He's an amazing pastor, and, um, and he's our teaching pastor. And so you're going to see that today. So can we stand right now? Can we welcome Pastor Bob as he comes to preach the Word this morning? Love you. Thank you. Don't, don't be seated yet. Kids, if you need to go to kids' church, we'd love for you to go ahead and be dismissed right now just in case you don't know what to do. But um, I want to thank pastors Maddie and Jill for the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to be able to stand before you and bring the Word of God. And I would like for us as a church to bless them. So while they're standing there, would you just extend your hands towards them? And we want to bless them and thank them. Father, you are so good. We are so blessed as a church to have leaders like pastors Maddie and Jill. We ask, Heavenly Father, that your face would shine upon them. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that as a mountain surround Jerusalem, so you surround them from this time forth and forevermore. That as a shield of favor that surrounds them, that wherever they go, they meet you. You've already gone before them. So, Father, we are asking that your supreme blessings would be upon them. Thank you for your wisdom and for your protection and for your health and for your energy and for your strength and vision for the future. Thank you for this family, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you're seated, make sure that you either hug, slug, or mug someone that's next to you. Would you do that? That was absolutely amazing. I always thought my granddaughter was a little alienish anyway, uh, but today she proved that. It was really remarkable. Love our kids team. Online, so glad that you're with us here today. We bless you, we thank you, and we love you. I'm going to be preaching from Ezekiel chapter 10 today, and it's talking about the departure of God. It wasn't a departure like Normal departures go, if you will. This was rather a slow and painful departure. There came a time in the life of God and Israel and their relationship where God actually left the temple. If you remember, he started off by bringing his glory uh, in front of Moses. He brought his glory in the tabernacle, and his glory rested on the Ark of the Covenant and was in the tabernacle. And then one day, the Israelites loved God so much that they decided that they were going to build the most magnificent temple to show their love and their devotion and their adoration to the God of the universe. And they built Solomon's temple. And when Solomon was in there for the very first day to, to pray and to bring the dedication, the glory of God descended from heaven, filled that temple with smoke, and people were even unable to stand because of the presence of Almighty God. Sadly, one of the saddest days in the nation of Israel is this day that we're going to be talking about in the beginning of this message because the Israelites, they began to leave God and to worship other things. They began to place other things in a higher degree of importance more so than God. They began to worship idols, paintings, carvings, 
things made with other people's hands. And to top it all off, they would bring those idols into the temple. They would turn and they would worship those idols while God was still living there. It's a sad day. God said it's time to go. He prophesied back in 2 Chronicles that the nation of Israel would be in exile for 70 years, and this was the beginning of it. But God was about to make this most dramatic departure as recorded by the prophet Ezekiel. And some things that we read about, we can only understand if we have inspiration by the Holy Spirit. It's hard to fathom what this would have looked like in a human mind, what Ezekiel actually saw. Well, what was taking place was he described, first of all, what it looked like. And there was a ceiling, if you will, almost like a dome that was around the glory of God. That was the brightest blue that he had ever seen. There was a throne, and he described the throne, and he also said there was a person on the throne, but he didn't describe that individual. He talked about underneath the throne, there were these chariots that had wheels within the wheels, and those wheels looked like they were diamonds shining in the sun and sparkling, and fire was coming out from underneath there. Smoke was there. There were four different types of angelic beings on each of the corners of the throne, and their wings were fluttering so much that no human voice could be heard in that place, and what was taking place is God was letting Israel know that he's leaving. He's leaving. It wasn't something that was done in a dark corner someplace. It wasn't something that was done where nobody could see. This was something magnificent, something powerful, something majestic, something intense, something that they would never, ever forget. And the glory of God lifted itself up, and it moved over to the doorway of the temple and stopped, waited. The angels then escorted the glory of God further away from the temple to the eastern gate the wheels are spinning, the chariots are there, the angels' wings are fluttering. The glory of God is seen. And he waits again. Then he proceeds over to a mountain that many people think is the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Transfiguration. And God stops there with the angels, with the chariots, with the glory, with the thunder, with the, with, with the smoke, with everything. And he waits, he pauses, as if to look back and see if anyone is saying, don't go, come back. But there was no one. It was a time of extreme darkness for the nation of Israel, for upon God's departure, they plunged into riots, they plunged into just terrible debauchery, and they continued to worship their idols until they were carried away into Babylon for 70 years. And as God prophesied that not only would they return, but he also would return, they came back completely cured and healed. No more idols. Yet their religion wasn't alive. Their, their, their faith wasn't alive. They did everything that they needed to do. There were very few words that came from God in the next 200 years. And so sometimes a prophet would say something and sometimes they wouldn't. But what happened was that they entered into 400 years of not a single word from God. Not a minister in the temple, not a Levite that served there, not a prophet, not a priest, not a king, not an angelic appearance would ever have anything that came from God that was fresh. They were all alone, empty, by themselves. For the first time, they have never not been without God as a people. 
hope began to wane. Except God always has a remnant. There was a group of individuals in the nation of Israel that remembered that if they couldn't get a fresh word from God, that they in turn would just go to the word of God and see what God had already said. And that may be for someone here this morning. You might feel like your ceiling is brass or that your, your prayers don't get out of your own head or that you're not hearing from God. You're not getting anything from anything that comes to church. You don't feel anything. Can I say something to you? God has not left you. You just need to move towards God, amen? God says, draw to me and I will draw it near to you. Seek and you will find. Ask and God will answer. Knock and the door will be open. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's that relationship that God wants us to but only a few people in Israel did that. They went back to the word of God and they combed the scriptures. They looked through and all of a sudden they found this thread, this strand of prophecy where it says in the book of Genesis that the seed of a woman would destroy the enemy. They go through another book in the book of Joshua. They see another strand. He's the captain of their salvation. In Job, he's the redeemer, the bright and morning star. In, in the book of Numbers, he is the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. In Exodus, he is the paschal lamb, the Passover lamb. In the book of Ruth, he's our redeemer. In the song of Solomon, he's the sweet rose of Sharon. And in the book of Malachi, he is a son of righteousness that rises with healing in his wings. Jeremiah portrayed him as a weeping prophet. Isaiah said that he was the branch of the Lord, the arm of the Lord. He is the suffering servant. He is the man of sorrows. He is the one to come. This is the one that they're looking for. And then thread upon thread upon thread upon thread. They took it and they wove it together and they had this cable. They had this pay cable that they were tethered to. The eternal word of God that promised he's coming back. He hasn't left you forever. Look up for your redemption draws near. And then they came over to Isaiah, this is good stuff, man. I'm telling you, just pay attention, okay? <laughs> Isaiah 7:14. God says, therefore, uh, I will send you a sign. You'll see the sign. A virgin is going to conceive and will bear a child, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. And so here's what the Israelites are doing. They're looking at this verse, and they're saying, look at, this is a child that's going to be born. A child, but it's a born of a virgin. That's a miracle right there. Something is happening. Something is stirring. Something is shifting. Something is going to take place. They see that the promise of Isaiah 7, 14 is, a, is this relationship between heaven and earth, and that something was coming from heaven that was done by God, and his name is going to be called Emmanuel. He'll never leave us again, ever. The baby God with us. And they're so excited. They flip over a couple of more pages to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and the prophet Isaiah proclaims to all the people, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is the child of Genesis, I'm sorry, of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. This is the child where it talks about his name is going to be Emmanuel. This is the child, but he's not just a child. He's a son that is given. This is the gift to all of mankind, the very first Christmas present ever spoken about, ever thought about, ever prophesied about, the son that was going to be given to the world and they're onto something. Their hearts are starting to beat. Their socks are rolling up and down. They're getting all excited until they read the next verse that says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, that baby's shoulder, that infant's shoulder. What does the government mean? His kingdom. 
His, his rulership. It, it means his deity. He's talking about his authority, his power. And I'm telling you, if you're here today and your life is out of control, that means you cannot manage it. Good, because God wants to manage your life. Can I get a good amen? I'm preaching here today, and I want to let you know that when God runs your life, your life is a thousand times better than if anybody else could ever do that. The government will be upon his shoulder. It doesn't matter what's taking place outside the doors, the walls of this room. It matters not what's taking place throughout the world. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, God works all things together for the counsel of his will. So no matter how dark it might be, no matter how bad it might look, no matter how bleak it might be, God says, I'm working it all together. I've got it all in control. You're still in the palm of my hands. I am still king of kings. I am Lord of lords. I'm the creator of this universe and I am coming back, he says. Oh, he goes on to say, he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'm immediately brought back to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses is prostrate before God. His sandals are off, and the bush is burning in front of him, but it's not being consumed. And God's voice bellows from the middle of that bush, and he tells Moses, I am that I am. I am has sent you. And he says to us here today, I am wonderful. Now, I don't know about you. Listen, I don't know about you. I don't, but I know about me, and I know about some other people that are here today. They've tasted, and they've seen the wonderful works of Almighty God. If you've ever had an answer to prayer, if you've ever been touched by God, if you've ever seen this miracle, if you've ever been experiencing the presence of God, you would stand up on your feet, and you would say, He is wonderful. He is awesome. He is powerful. He is mighty. He is a good God for what He does for all of us. Somebody praise Jesus. Amen. God, you're so good. You're so good, Lord. You can be seated. He's the counselor. Not some therapist that works down the road. Not somebody that you see on a Zoom camp. No offense, therapists with the Zoom. But he is your answer. He is the solution to your problem. He's the answer to your riddle. He knows where you need to go. He said, behind you, you will hear a voice. And I'm going to tell you, this is the way. Walk in it. It's the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Who, who do you need God to be for you today? He says, I am. I am healing. I am love. I am acceptance. I am your embrace. I'm your blessing. I'm your hope. I'm your mercy. I'm your forgiveness. This is what God says of who we are who he is to us. I get real excited when I see the rest of these verses here in Isaiah chapter 9 because the Bible says this. This is, of the increase, of the increase, somebody say increase. increase. Of the, how many of you would like to have your bank accounts increased? <laughs> Do I have to describe to you what increase actually means? Do you know that, right? Of the increase of his government of his kingdom, of his rule, of his authority, of his power, worldwide and in my heart, there will be no end. 
So if you're here today and you feel like you're deflated or you feel like you're empty or you feel like you're out of gas, can I say something to you that God said of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end in your life personally. As much as you want, your potential is amazing. It's limitless. It goes beyond what you can ever possibly dream of because you've got the God of the universe inside of you and the increase of his government, of his rule, of his kingdom, of his power, of his majesty, and of his love will always be in your life and it will grow if you will allow it to grow. God is so good. He is so good. 400 years of darkness, these people sat in darkness, waiting, waiting, looking to the horizon, if you will, knowing that he's going to come again, but not in a box wrapped in gold made out of human hands, not in a tent uh, that was erected by some people, not in a tabernacle that was actually, or a temple that was actually made out of marble and beautiful stone, or even in a cloud. He's coming back to live inside of a person, and then that person, that child that is born to us, will one day give us that spirit, and he will come and he live with us, and then we will be the temple of God. We will be the house of God. We are the place that God dwells. All around you, look to your left, look to your right, look in front, look in back. You and I are the household of God, and he dwells within us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. He will always be here for you and for me. That's the promise of Almighty God. And then the silence was broken. I like to think it was with the flutter of an angel's wings, but it was Zechariah who was standing in the temple ministering to God. And all of a sudden, just like one of those angels that was over there, the angel Gabriel stood before him and said, yo, Zechariah, how's it going? Guess what? Don't be afraid. You and your wife, you're going to have a baby and you're going to name him John. He's going to be great. He's going to go before the Messiah. It's going to be an amazing thing. And Zechariah says, are you kidding me? I'm old and my wife is well advanced in years. He didn't say, we are old. He said, I'm old. But my wife is well advanced in years. Things are falling off of her. She's not complete. And you're going to put a baby in? What's going on here? And he says, don't worry about it. Now I'm going to make sure that your mouth shuts, stays shut so you don't ruin the miracle that I'm about to perform. So for nine months, he sat, he sat rather, uh, without being able to say anything. And so you know what you do? When you can't talk, you have to listen. And I'm sure that's what Zechariah was doing. Sometimes it's good not to talk. Can I get a good amen? Uh, because we can talk ourselves out of a miracle. God, I got prayed for last night. I woke up this morning. I'm still feeling the same. You're talking yourself out of a miracle. Well, those are the facts. Well, guess what? Truth trumps facts. Do I need to? I don't, should I say it again? Truth trumps facts. That little baby that was missing a kidney, oh, the doctors decided to do another scan after tons of people were praying. Oh, yeah, guess, guess what they found? Anybody? Anybody? A kidney! And they said, what? He's wonderful! He's amazing! You're thinking, you, God can't do that. Yes, he can. It's time for you to elevate your faith. It's time for you to put that stuff behind you. It's time for you to look up because your redemption draws near. This is the God of wonders that wants to do wonders in your life. A child is born. A couple months later, Gabriel goes to this teenage girl and he says to her, Hail Mary, full of grace. You know, the whole, the whole Catholic thing. I was about to say that, but then I didn't want to make it seem like I'm putting them down, but I'm not. I'm just saying that's what I learned. 
All right, three people just got up and walked out. It's going to be okay. <laughs> he says, you're blessed amongst women. She's like, what are you talking about? And he, he says, you're, you're going to have a baby. You're the one that's chosen. You're the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. You're the one, he says. You're the one. And God is going to be born through you. Well, how's this going to be, she says. She didn't question him like, like Zechariah did. She says, tell me how this is going to work. Tell me how this is going to happen. And he tells her, the power of God is going to overshadow you. And she says, bid unto me according to your word. Gabriel leaves, and he comes back a few months later. He comes to a bunch of stinky shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and verses 8 through 20 or 14, wherever it is, and he says to them this. He says, look at the angels are out there living with their flocks by night. They're taking care of their flocks, and suddenly an angel stood before them, and the what? And the what? And the glory of God shone around them. The first time the glory has been experienced in 600 years. To a bunch of shepherds in the middle of the night. The departure from the temple was amazing. But the, re the arrival of Jesus was equally as amazing. Because for every eye that was looking, they would see the star that was dancing in the sky. For every ear that was listening, they would hear the voice of the Spirit. For every eye that was looking into the Word, they would see the number of promises that God had said that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly, with a multitude of angels, they all said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And may his favor rest upon all of mankind. Which brings us to today. Where are you? Where are you with God? I'm going to ask the team to come up now because I'm going to give you the first point of the message. If you want a title of the message, <laughs> you think I'm kidding? It's, the title of the message is He's Back. It was a long introduction. <laughs> Three quick points. The first one is this. Don't forget this. The first one is this. Refuse to be afraid. Just... Draw a circle, stand in it, and say this, I will not be afraid. To have courage does not mean that you don't have fear. Courage is stepping out in spite of the fear. I will not be afraid. You know, all three times those angels appeared to Zechariah, to Mary, and to the, uh, and to the shepherds, the first thing they said to them was this, do not be afraid. I'm not sure what it is that you might be facing. I don't know how deep it might go. I don't know how catastrophic the medical report might be, but I'm here to tell you this. With God, you don't have to be afraid. I said in the previous service that we need to teach our families, our children, everybody courage rather than how to manage fear. We're always going to have fear, but how many of you are going to have courage that will stand up and either stand for Jesus within your home, stand for Jesus within your church, stand for Jesus within your school, stand for Jesus within your workplace? Where are the people that will stand for Jesus and say, he is mine. I will not be afraid of whatever I'm facing, whatever is coming at me, because I know that my God is bigger than anything else. Number two, not only refuse to be afraid, but rehearse the good news. Some people here need to be healed or delivered of the language that comes out of their mouth. And I'm not talking about cussing. I'm not talking about that. My wife just got delivered a couple weeks ago and she's doing really well. <laughs> I'm talking about what garbage comes out of our mouth. What do we say? You know, in the middle of the word rehearse is the word hear. Some of you that are negative say, no, it's the word hearse. Yeah, you're thinking that you're gonna die. Can I tell you something? It's just good news for everybody. 
To rehear something means I'm going to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It literally says faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing so that the good news in your life trumps the bad news within your life. Rehear the good news, my friend. Refuse to be afraid. Rehear the good news. And then finally, receive the love and receive the grace, receive the mercy of God just simply by asking. Receive his peace and favor. As we prepare to close, I'm going to share with you just a couple more verses. And I'm going to warn you, somebody to your left or to your right is going to get very excited. They might look like a fanatic on a Sunday afternoon watching the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Dallas Cowboys. That was prophecy right there. In Isaiah chapter 54, God says this, verse 9, this is as the days of Noah for me. As I swore, the waters of Noah will now no longer cover the earth any longer. So I have sworn. So I have sworn. So I have sworn. This is God speaking now, not just some Isaiah after he had a burrito. This is God. I have sworn that I will not be angry with you or you or you or you or you or you or I will. Who knows this? God says I will not be angry with you. Nobody wants anybody to be angry with us, but especially God and the multitudes of people that we get to speak to and minister to and love on, always saying that God is mad at me. And I'm here to tell you, no, he's back and he's not mad. He's not mad at you today. He's not mad. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I come to find out that my God loves me with an everlasting love. He loves me, and he's not angry with me. He is not going to rebuke me. The Bible says even if the mountains fall away, even if the hills go away, my steadfast love will not be removed from you. Somebody get on your feet and praise God. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. His love for you and for me. That's almighty God. Don't sit down, because I'm closing with one verse. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Let me back up. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of that same chapter says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God has returned. He's not in a temple. He's not in a church building. He's right in front of me. He's all around me. Because the Bible says in the book of Psalms 8 and verse 5, you are crowned with glory and honor. You might need to lift up that crown and readjust it on your head and look inside the mirror and say, I'm crowned with glory and honor. This is the God who loves me. He crowned you. I didn't crown you. Nobody else in here crowned you. He chose to crown you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and no one looking around. As we close this service, we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to receive Jesus. 
If you're here today and you've, you, you, you were part of his life, he was part of your life, and you've kind of fallen away a little bit, today's the day that you can come back. He's back. Why don't you come back? But you might be here, and this may be your first time here. It may be your 10th time here. And something is stirring on the inside of you, saying to you, yes, I'm here for you, and I love you. Jesus wants to come into your life. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, or if you're falling away and you want to come back, this moment, this time is for you. And we want to be able to pray for you. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three. And when I reach three, I'm going to ask for you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. It's just between you and me and God. I want to know who I'm praying for. When you lift your hand up, you're saying, Bob, I'm coming back to Jesus. I've been away for a little while, but I'm coming back. Or you might be saying with your hand lifted up, you might be saying, I need Jesus in my life. And today I'm going to ask him to come into my heart. So with every head bowed and every every eye closed, the Holy Spirit is working, going up and down these aisles, touching every heart, breathing life into every soul. Do you know Jesus? Do you want to come back to him? I'm going to count to three. At the count of three, just raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to be able to acknowledge it so that I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Lift your hand up. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. I see those hands. Keep them up just a little bit longer. I see that hand. Anyone else? You can put those hands down. As we do every Sunday, we're going to pray this as a family. It's all of us coming alongside of all of you that raise your hands, that we're going to praise God and thank God for what's going to happen. We're supporting you. We're with you. We're part of the family. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me and that you rose again so that I could have life. Forgive me of my sin, of all that I've done wrong. I make a choice today that I will follow you, Jesus, for all the days of my life, from now and for all of eternity. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Congratulations. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.